As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Today, my featured guest is David Wooten, and you can find him at davidwooten.com. David was born and raised in Lafayette, Louisiana, USA. His father was an English professor and a published author. And although his mother is a registered nurse, she chose to stay home to raise David and his four brothers. Now, David married his only bride, Davy, uh, in 1991, and they have four children. His career path started in the Army for six years. After the Army, he took an entry-level position in the corporate world and worked his way up to executive management. Eventually, uh, David chose to become an entrepreneur like myself, and together with his wife, Davy, they co-own Wooten Construction. And we're going to get into David's spiritual journey here. What has God been doing in his life? And BC Nation, I know you're going to connect with part of his story even before we jumped on and went live today. Uh, David was telling me how over the holidays, the Christmas season here, uh, his wife has had some trials, uh, some testing physically. Um, and of course, that's a test for the entire family, including David. So where is God in that? Where is God in the struggles? Um, when we can't see him very well in the storm. All we see is the wind and the waves and, and just the pain sometimes. But where is God? Where does he show up? So we're going to get into a little bit of that today as well. Uh, so David Wooten, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and take about 30 seconds. Just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Sure. And first of all, Joseph, thanks for having me on today i really appreciate it the opportunity to be here you know uh well my mom did a, a lot of work in between but she raised us four boys as well catholic family um you know in there my four children an interesting point about that is i have two daughters and, and again just same wife two daughters in their 20s 27 24 and then i have two sons 11 and 7. So we, there was a little break and the way that when the sons came out was just totally a God thing. When we look back and see it, it's it just a, you know, if I had been asked 
are you ready to have another child? The answer would be, yeah, no, I don't think so. We're done with that. And then, but thank God I wasn't in charge. Right. So, mm. uh, you know, and, and so those boys and, and, and we live in, uh, down here in Cajun country and Lafayette. And, uh, and this has been, we moved around, but this has always been this is where my mom is. This is where her parents are. And so this is all, and, and we live back here, an apartment on the back of my house that my mom lives in. Uh, and that's all part of my story. So uh, our business, we also own a business called Home Project Center. And, and so we do, we also do design planning for people like that. So it's a, it's a grow that side of the business to, to a whole new, really it's a new, it's a new system. It's a new way of doing this part of, you know, working in this industry. And, and so we'll be doing some of that soon. Uh, and then we're also getting ready to launch our own podcast. Hopefully we'll have some of the success that you have uh, with about stories, about people. When you look back in your life and, and maybe you couldn't see God then, but when you look back, you can see that you were walking on water because all you did was have faith and take the next step. And in the end, he had your back. Mm, it's so true. God's fingerprint is all throughout our life, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And lots of times, like in the good times in our life, we tend to take credit, even though it was God that, you know, carried us through. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Maybe pride or something. I have no idea. Right. All right. So, David, um, listen, you grew up, uh, you know, in South Louisiana, where most communities are centered on faith. Um, you knew you believed in something, but you weren't sh quite sure what it was. Right. Um, you know, like, Take us back to that time. Early childhood was there, you know, you said your mom raised you Catholic, you're right. Uh, but was faith really present in your heart? Like, was God real to you or was it just more like learning about God rather than knowing him? So take us through that into early child, uh, into teen years, into college, where many of us kind of lose our faith and then maybe come back to it. Just walk us through those early days in your yeah, life. Yeah, I fit some of those for sure. <laughs> you know, as a kid, yeah, I don't even know that I really knew what faith was other than the blind trusting, you know, uh, of, well, my parents said so. And everybody else in the neighborhood seemed to agree with that. So uh, it must be true. Um, I don't know that I had a relationship or I, I don't feel that I had a, a knowing relationship with God. I think he was working in my life from the beginning. Right. But I didn't have a knowing relationship with him. And in, in, at that time, and my view was I looked at I was the fourth of the five of us. Right. Of the of the boys. And then we also had taken in a, a, a foster uh, brother at one point. So, you know, there was a lot of love in my family and my, and my parents were, you know, they were most likely to say yes when asked to be of service. And so that was an example that they showed me of how to live the faith. But in my, you know, adolescent brain and young brain, it, it didn't it didn't really register. What registered to me was being like my older brothers. That's what I wanted to be like. I wanted to be like them. And, you know, uh, when I was 12 years old, I got a chance to go to a Mardi Gras without without my parents. And and so I got drunk because that's what older kids do. And in and, and that time in South Louisiana, if you could put a dollar on the counter at the beer stand, you could get a beer. Just say it's for your dad or whatever. Right. And uh, so. So anyway, I, I I went the road at that point. My confirmation 
I can't tell you that I was a hundred percent into it. I, you know, I wasn't. And, uh, I, I remember my teacher and I remember her being good to us. And I remember some of the cute girls in the class. I remember some of the guys too, they're funny and whatever, but, but what we learned as far as faith goes, I, I, I don't know specifically what I took out of it. It was, it was a social thing and it was, and it was an obligatory thing. And, and so I went through high school and, and got lost. I got lost in alcohol. I got lost in drugs. I, I, I got to a point. I went, I went to college. Um, years later, when I was in the military, I went back to college. And when I went back to college, I got my transcripts from uh, USL, the college I had originally gone to. And, and I did so well there that I had seven actual credits in three and a half years. So <laughs> that'll tell you the kind of life I was living and and doing um and i i ran away from my pain and so when when the drinking and the drugs weren't enough i would change locations i went to new orleans i had to come back home and then i went to san antonio and while in san antonio i, I really hit what i thought was the end of the bottoms um i called my dad uh, from a payphone because i was down to just having a car to sleep in that didn't work and I needed money, you know, and I can't say I know what it's like to be homeless because I did know that if I picked up the phone and called my parents that they would help, they would come. And, and I think that's different than the homeless guy that has, there's no hope for him having someone that he knows that he can call and, and they'll have their, have his back, you know? Um, but it was rough. And, and so they got me back home and I stopped drinking and it felt so good. And then three weeks later, I was in a football game and somewhere in the middle of that game, it started again. And then a few months later, I ended up in ICU um, drinking a drug overdose. And I, and I go to that to talk about, you said you're, you know, at that time I had no faith. I don't, I, none to the point of, I don't know that I could even have had a conversation about there is a guy, there isn't a guy that, like, it, it was irrelevant to me. It, it didn't because if there was one, he obviously didn't care about me. So why put any thought into it? Mm. I ended up in a hospital. They put they, after they took me out of ICU, they put me in a private room and I was in that private room. And this is the first thing I remember from when I collapsed at my parents' house and they brought me to the hospital. And the first thing I remember is being in that room and looking out the window. And it was so peaceful. And there was this car going by, a police car going by with the lights on. But it was there was no noise. And all of a sudden in the distance, I see this billboard and it's a whiskey billboard, one of my favorite whiskeys. And immediately I was overtaken with the knowing that if they open that door and let me out, I'm going to be dead. But there's no, I had nothing. And then suddenly, I mean, just as suddenly as that thought came, I felt this presence I say warm, but I don't know that it was a temperature thing. It was a fullness. It was a comfort that I had not had at least since I was a little child. And the only thing I needed to have faith in was my family. Right. And, and it was this thought, just do what they put in front of you and everything will be okay. I didn't know who they was. I didn't know what it was. I, I didn't know it, but I had this thought. And just as soon as I had that thought, there's a knock on the door. And these two guys are there to walk me downstairs to see the psychologist. And so I go down and it's a group meeting and there's this group of people and I start introducing myself to these people. 
And they're all looking at me like, okay. And they're shaking my hand. Well, come to find out, apparently I had been there before, but I just didn't remember it. But I had not been interactive with them. I'd go down there and I'd just be in a ball or whatever. I just, or I would just mumble, you know? And then, uh, and this is only a few days later, right? So, uh, so anyway, so there was, that is my first, you know, I didn't know it then. But that's my first experience with being filled with the Holy Spirit and any type of real faith that was between me and God. That wasn't a matter of tradition or obligation or anything. It was it was a true experiential moment between with me and God and and doing it. And, you know, it's funny. So today I have I, I went into AA. I did all that. And, and they taught me to be of service and they taught me to that there is one God, may you find him now, right? And and we and I took that and I was of service and I learned that part of it. So God came to me, you know, people say, well, if you, you got to open up, you got to ask him. I just was so empty. I think the vessel, I, I was so empty of myself that, that he came in, you know? I didn't say, please, God, come in. I didn't at that moment. I didn't even know that's what happened when it happened. So I, I anyway, I, that moment happens and, and it goes into my life and, and my relationship with God started in being of service to others and cleaning out who I was and learning how to love other people and have a relationship with God. And then as time went on, I met my wife. Faith was, faith itself, I don't know if it was necessarily more important, but, but a, a specific faith, a the, theological understanding of God was more important to her. And, and that helped me start to study things, but I couldn't go back to the church that I came from because I had all these questions, all these doubts. And, and, and so, you know, anyway, we took that road and, and, and God had led me back to the church. And, and, um, but I understand that because of my experiences, I understand that God, God's not looking at as what's your denomination, Joseph, what's your denomination, David, what's your denomination, Bill, Sue, Larry, whatever right? He's looking at us going, I love you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to love me back. And we can do that by loving other people. And it can start there. It can start in the Bible. It can start in a religion class. It can start in a many, many different ways. It can start in ritual prayer. It can start in, you know, um, and what a great thing, because I'm not like you. You're not like me. We all need a different path and we all have a different path. Anyway, I don't know if that gets us to where you were. That that got us there. So thank you for sharing your spiritual sure. journey with us, David. BC Nation, um, I'd like to unpack some of that, some of God's story told through David's life. So often we think it's our own story and we take ownership, we take credit. Oh, look at me. I got myself up by the bootstraps and got myself back into the church and et cetera. When in fact, it's like David said, uh, we're so empty, we're so broken, we're so lost um, that only God could have brought us back, right? And maybe your story, so to speak, uh, God's story told through your life looks different than David's, but maybe there are resemblances, right? There's things you resonate with that he just shared. And one thing I want to unpack that you said, David, is you were so emptied out and bottomed out, just an empty vessel. You had nothing to give, nothing to offer. 
nothing was working in your life. You're, you're at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the pit. And you'd even have it within you to cry out, out to God and say, God, come save me. And this is the uh, parable of the lost sheep, I believe. And this is also my story. This is how I encountered God in a real experiential way was when I was bottomed out, you know, living a life of debauchery and prodigal son. And, you know, I ran out of money. I ran out of uh, the, the women, the sex. I ran out of everything that I was filling the void with. There was nothing left to fill it with. And I didn't have a thought to cry out to God. I had nothing. So just like you, David, um, yet God came, left the 99 sheep behind to come find you and I. And this is the mercy of God. Now, BC Nation, I want you to know, maybe you're one of the 99 sheep that had something within you to call out to God. But there are a few of us that are that one lost sheep that we we can't even call out to God. We messed up so bad. But he comes and finds us in the darkness because he loves each and every one of us that much. So if you're hearing this right now and you're that lost sheep and you just don't have it within you to call out to God, it's okay. He knows. He's coming for you. You feel stuck in the darkness. You're lying curled up in a ball. You're running out of life. You're running out of alcohol. You're running out of drugs. You're running out of love. You're running out of hope. It's okay. He's coming for you. It's okay. It's going to be fine. But to David's point, turn to the people around you who do love you. Even if there's only one person. Even if there's only a stranger that cares about you. They're not immediate family. It's okay. Turn to them. God will show up in them for you. So David, thank you for taking us through that. um, Because I believe your story really connects uh, with our hearts. And I do want to say this one last point in unpacking this story of God in your life. God didn't, you didn't experience God in your head, right? Faith didn't come as this heady uh, experience. It came through the heart. And so often we're chasing God, looking for God, uh, through theology and academia. We're trying to find him in our head. And God wants to meet us in his, in our hearts first, right? So we come to faith through our hearts and then we justify that faith through our heads. And then we learn and we grow and we learn more about God through theology and how he's revealed himself to us throughout human history. But if you're chasing God and looking for God through your head, before you ever experienced him in your heart, like David has and I have, you're missing the boat. You're not going to find him there. Jesus resides in the heart of man, not the head of man. This is a very important distinction. So David, I just wanted to unpack some of that story. What did we miss? How did we do? Uh, I, that's excellent. I, you know, that, that last part that you were saying about, you know, the experiential and, Almost everybody I know has a similar, a similar path in that sense. Even if they've never been the lost sheep, they've they they've had some moment in their life though 
that cemented their faith. And that was an experiential moment, you know, and, and it pulled that in. And I like to use my theology, my Bible study, my, my readings, my the, doing those things, my even interacting with people um, like in a group on a, in, in, in like a Holy Spirit group that I go to that, you know, we try to see the Holy Spirit in our lives. Those are great things when I'm, I'm in the good place already to remember that, you know, it's not me. I'm not the one that has the power here. I'm not the one that gets the credit for the glory and then try to give God the, you know, beg God for the help when there's, when it's not going well, you know, you know, and so those things keep me grounded in my faith and, and stay with there. But when I get to that position of doubt creeps in, things are going, or the place that helps me is to go out and serve others, you know, um, and I do that in a, in a, in several different ways and, and, and just kind of how it comes up. So, so let's uh, talk about that. Now you just wrote a book called meeting homeless Jesus. Sure. A journey from believing to knowing. So what I'm hearing you say right now is that when the doubt comes in, creeps in, the hopelessness, the despair, maybe even depression, all these human uh, broken experiences that we have, uh, you immediately run out to serve people, to serve humanity, because that's where you find Jesus again, to quiet all that noise. Is that correct? Well, I'd like to say immediately. Sometimes it's immediately. Sometimes it's after a little bit of uh, beating myself up and, and, and you know. Listen, we uh, got to attend our own pity party because who else will? Let's be honest. <laughs> Nobody that I found, that's for sure. So, uh, you know, so, so yes, when, when, when that comes up, though, in doing that, and, and, and one of the things that I, that I do that's just a common is, is I'll pick up people and give them rides. And, and I don't recommend this kind of disclaimer out there. I'm not telling you this is safe. Matter of fact, the last time I did it, it was it was pretty scary. But I'll pick up people and give them rides. But I've, I've, I've met the most wonderful people doing this. And now usually it's, you know, it's during the day when I'm driving around. So it's usually somebody walking to work. For instance, I met a man that walks to work to two jobs. And I said, man, two jobs. You, you, I asked him, I said, you, you don't have a car? You, you, is it broken or? He goes, well, Mr. David, I got my son in private school and I decided I don't want to take him out. And so it's going to take me longer to save up for a car. So this guy was walking to two jobs <laughs> because he was concerned about his son being in private school. You know, and 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 it's funny because I'm driving along and all of a sudden it'll hit me. I'm giving that guy a ride. And it's not a question. It's not maybe I should. And I'll pass 100 people. I'll pass 200 people, whatever. It'll go months sometimes. Sometimes it'll go three days and I'll pick somebody up. And then, and, I, and then one more is I met this young man that deserves being told about. I'm coming home to have lunch with my wife and I picked, I, and, I, and just the thought hit me, I'm giving him a ride. And I wanted to put it aside. I'm like, no, you're giving him a ride. So I pulled over and he, he tells me where he's going, which is exactly the opposite direction of where I'm going. But I'm giving him a ride. So I open it, unlock the door, I let him in. And he's telling me about his life. And he's telling me about he had an accident. And the company that he was working for was not properly insured. And he had brain damage. And now he he can't work. Even though he's physically pretty capable, there, there's too much risk in him working for anybody, you know, and, and doing those. And he's telling me about how, you know, there's a lot of times at the end of the month, 
he's got to get some food from his dad who helps him out sometimes or whatever. But and all these things like it, it, most people you think they're telling you a horrible story. And he's got this big smile on his face. So he's because he's so great place for him to lay his head at night. There is there are people in his life who will help him out when he needs it. And, and even though there's never enough money for the month, you know, these things are there. And we get to his house and he's looking down into his wallet. And he's got two dollar bills in his wallet. He picks them both up. He kind of looks at me. He picks them, puts them down. He picks one up. He kind of looks at me, puts them down. And he does this. And I, I said, Anthony, I understand if you need to give me something. And if you feel you need to, I will take it because you feel that. But I'm okay. He goes, you share it? I said, look, I do this because God's already paid me in ways that I can't repay. So I try to do something when I can. And, uh, and he looks back and looks at me, looks back, looks, Mr. David, I really could use this $2, $2, you know, and, and, and doing this, well, then you keep it. I, I'd be glad if you kept it. And so I said, God bless you. Good luck. You know, you need anything else? Oh, no, sir. And he gets out and he runs into his house and all excited. And it just, you know, that doesn't happen. You, you know, you, it is, it's all God. It's God who gives us the ability to do these things. The one point in is there, we're maybe 1% of the scenario, but it takes that 1% of being willing to take an action. And that's free will. That's where God gives us that. If we want to interact with him, we've got to exercise that free will. And for me, the best place to do that is, you know, what Christ said, love one another, you know, in doing that. So that's an area there. Now, the, the homeless Jesus is, is a story about a man that comes from there. If you want to go into that now or uh, the. Uh... So. First off, great story, you know, with Anthony. Um and just that he was smiling and grateful, <laughs> like, even though his life wasn't looking very glamorous. Yeah. Right. Um, yet some of us, we have every comfort that we could need. And we walk around with a frown on our face. Ungrateful. Contentment can only be found in the present. It can never be found in the what's to come. What does? Say that Contentment. Again. We can never be content. You know, well, when I get there, when I get that degree, when I get that better paying job, when I get that, when, you know, when my wife changes, <laughs> whatever that is, when my kids start acting right, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever that, that, there's no way because there will always be a well win, well win, you know, contentment and peace with God can only be now. Well said, contentment is found in the present, not the future. So... You know, BC Nation, I challenge you. I want to give you a homework assignment, if you're willing. Uh, this week, as you're listening to this episode, we're speaking with David Wooten. You can find him at davidwooten.com. And your homework assignment this week, your challenge uh, is to meet Jesus in a homeless person somewhere around you. You see them all the time. You drive past them. Maybe you look down at your phone screen intentionally or subconsciously because you don't want to engage you don't want them to catch your eyes maybe you don't have anything in your wallet to give them or maybe you're judging them that 
they're probably just going to use your money for something bad. Or it's their own fault they're out there on the street. It's not your problem. And I challenge you to look at the life that you have right now. Look at all the gifts God has given you. Look at the blessings. You may not have financial blessings, but do you have a wife? Do you have a husband? Do you have beautiful children who annoy the heck out of you sometimes but help you grow? Right? These are blessings. These are gifts from God. So look at your life and then look at that homeless person and realize they may not have that. They may be alone out on the street in the cold. And you can be that one person that pours God's love back into their little broken hearts. And I challenge you with this. As Mother Teresa once said, when people asked her, you know, how do you serve like the poor and, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're hurting, they're smelly, they're disgusting. They've been out on the roads like, you know, there's maggots on some of them. There's like uh, flesh-eating viruses, like the filth. How do you do it? And she just said, and I'm misquoting, but you'll get the point. She said, I don't see what you describe. I see Jesus in disguise. I see Jesus in disguise in every one of them. I serve my Lord and my Savior, not that broken person. That's who I'm serving. And she knows that. And right, this is in the Bible. You know, when I'm, I am hungry, did you feed me? When I was lonely, did you come sit with me? Did you visit me in prison? Did you comfort me? This will be the final judgment. This will be the test. Jesus is all around you in disguise. He may even show up like that annoying relative that just pokes every button in you and pushes your triggers. Will you recognize him? Will you serve him? I don't know, but that's your homework assignment this week. So we're speaking with David Wooten. You can find him at davidwooten.com. He wrote a book called Meeting Homeless Jesus, A Journey from Believing to Knowing. He's going to tell you where to find that in just a moment. Uh, David, we're out of time here. Obviously a great conversation. Thank you for your uh, sharing the story um, that God has done in your life. And welcome to my favorite part of this show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show. Are you ready, sir? Let's go. Let's go. What's your favorite thing about God? Unconditional love. What's your least favorite thing about God? Not knowing everything. Yeah. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our lives. It's just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? Uh, we're trying to make a change in our business and who and, and, and to allow us to do some ministry work as well. And cutting that cord with where the revenue flow is coming from to moving is, 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 is difficult, but, it's, but it, it will be done. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Myself, my, my, you know, 
that who I was is still part of who I am and, and I don't. And I have to be accepting of it, but I, I don't want it. I don't ever want to forget it. At the same time, I don't want it to research. Mm. You bring up a major, major concern for so many of us believers. We think that our past is our identity. When in fact, our past is just a behavior that we went through. It has nothing to do with who we are. So we don't have to fear it ever. It's part of God's story, right? But we have been healed by the hand of God. And by his power, we have been set free. That's you, BC Nation. Don't ever question God's healing. Look at every healing story in the Bible and ask yourself, did God ever say, go be healed temporarily and then come back to me for some coaching? No, he didn't. He said, you are healed. Go and sin no more. It's done. It's complete. So David, I just contribute that to your life. Okay. Uh, what did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Think overthinking instead of doing. Got it. That's a, that's a common one. Yeah, for sure. What secret fear do you have about people? Hmm. Mostly it's being misunderstood. Yeah, that's a big one. Sure. Like I'm not afraid of them specifically, but when I, when I go out and I, and I talk to people and do things and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's beautiful. Somebody to come back and they got a message that I didn't intend, but they needed it. And it's one, but other times they'll, 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 they'll like, well, you said, and I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. You know? Right. Mm. So what do you wish you had learned sooner about God? I, I, you know what? No regrets. The, 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 the pace has been his as far as I can. So, so, you know, yeah. Yeah. It would have been nice at 16 to have had that ex, a better, you know, big experience and be totally, cause I know some young people, that's the case, I guess. So, but that wasn't, that's not my road, not my story. So that's not where it fits in playing. So I'm, I'm good. Got it. Probably a better way for me to reword that is what's the best thing that you've ever learned about God. Well, first, that he's real. And second, that unconditional means unconditional. That, that, that no matter who I am, what I do, no matter any of that, that, he, that the Holy Spirit's still with me. Mm. What's a new habit you're going to create in your life? We're right around New Year's here. Come on, this is the time to do it. The, um, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think a, some of it has to do with there's things that I'm wanting to do with my kids more interactively and, and trying to create, you know, you hate for it to not feel spontaneous, but at the same time, you, you got to put in the time because our lives are so scheduled. So making sure that I'm, that I'm doing that with my children, giving them an ability to have adventure. Because that's something in today's, even in my two generations of kids that I have, right, the twenties to the single digits, uh, the the ability to just go out and 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 have adventure is is so difficult these days, um, and I think it's important for for kids. Mm, well said. Yeah, the, the awe and wonder we once had as children is now like 
decayed, I guess, by all the devices because we can search anything in the world, right? Right. All right. So what's a bad habit you're going to break? Procrastination. Okay. Took me a while to come up with that to say that answer. Were you procrastinating on your answer? Yeah. <laughs> pick three. <laughs> pick three words to describe who you are now. Huh. Man, that's a <laughs> truer was the first one that came up. Truer, like more, like I have a ways to go still, but but mm-hmm. working on that path. Truer was the first one. Um, I, loving i do think i'm a loving person uh, and 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 in the most and as humbly as i can say it humble because i do give god the credit and i do give people the opportunity around me the opportunity to shine and do those and uh you know me and my buddy a friend of mine that in a bible group together we we argue about who's the most humble and of course i am uh, <laughs> but but i do i do believe that that it does describe well, sounds like the 12 apostles as well, right? They argued about that. Uh, pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God in your heart. I, just selfish, just a selfish pile of ego. I mean, I don't know if that's... that's a selfish pile of ego. Yeah. I love it, man. That sums up a lot. <laughs> Uh, and last question, David, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your wife and your kids in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about God, about life, what would you say to them? Love one another. Love one another, BC Nation. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about uh, really seeking that uh, real experience and relationship with God. That that He's right in front of you. I, I think one of the best parables and or stories in the Gospel is not a parable. Christ meeting the woman at the well, and that He made the plan to fall in her path, put her in His path, and and He loved who was in front of Him. He 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 didn't go out and set up, you know sorry to say, podcast or big stadiums of people and, and do these things. He loved who the Father, he trusted that the Father was going to put the right people in his path and he loved who was in his path. And if we can do that, we're getting as close as we can to emulating him. And I think that's where we get to know him better. Mm. I agree. Okay, and where does BC Nation go to find more about you? Pick up your book. What do you got for them? Well, davidwooten.com. It's important to note there are no E's in Wooten. It's all O's, W-O-O-T-O-N. You can get it on Amazon, Meeting Homeless Jesus. It should come top couple and and doing that. But either place, you can get it in the store on the web. You can get it directly through. All right, BC Nation, go to davidwooten.com, davidwooten.com. David, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Likewise. Thank you so much, Joseph. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? 
Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.